Well, good morning, everybody. Wednesday morning. Hope everybody is doing well. Darren Saul here from Saul Recruitment, and I have episode 16 of Saul Searching, the Saul Recruitment Podcast. Now, I have an amazing guest back in the studio today, Katie Jones, the high performing teams expert, is here. How are you, Katie? Good, thanks, Darren. Nice to see you again. Thanks for having me. Uh, absolute pleasure. Um, always great to see you uh, on the show. And we're going to be chatting about something that's really, really important these days, particularly in this situation and coming out of this situation. And that is employee engagement and keeping your teams aligned. So I'm really fascinated by this topic. And now more than ever before, keeping your teams aligned, you know, being that we're moving out of the virtual way of working, we're actually going to be integrating virtual way of working to the real way of working and i'll put real in inverted commas um so really going to be fascinating topic and but before we get into that i thought i'd just give everybody a little bit of insight into katie and who she is and what she does if you haven't seen her on the show before so katie is a ceo and founder of culture fit hr she specializes in building high performing teams to help businesses stop losing great people and reduce their recruitment costs. She has transformed cultures around the world by improving behaviors and maximizing profits. Katie has seen teams transform dramatically by engaging more authentically, achieving results, and just being happier at work, resulting in businesses being more productive. She says it's a lot easier to do when you have great systems in place and an expert to help you along the way. So we're gonna be chatting all about why it's so important to focus on employee engagement right now and how we can actually do this. So welcome again, Katie Jones. Thanks, Darren. Thanks for the intro. Oh, my pleasure. Now, before we jump in, let me give us a little snapshot of who you are, anything that I might not have covered, just to give everybody a little bit more insight into who Katie Jones is. Yeah, so... Um, I've been running my business for about two years now, so I've had um, an extensive HR background, working in different various HR roles in OD, LND, uh, and HR trainer, um, facilitator, and coach. And I just love working with people and with teams. And my passion is around building cultures where employees are happy um, when they go to work. Because I've, you know, as I said, I've worked in HR for so long, and I've sat on the other side, yep. and it's really um, hard to see when people are just, you know, they just don't enjoy working. And you're at work, you know, five times uh, a week. You're spending so many hours there. You want to ensure that you are enjoying, you know, going to work, enjoying spending time with your teammates and just being really fulfilled in your role. Absolutely. What, what is it they say? If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Yeah, exactly. I love that saying. And, you know, one of us are working harder and harder these days, longer hours. So, we better love what we do and we better make sure that we create an environment for our teams and our employees to love what they do. Otherwise, no one's going to win. Exactly. So, I mean, obviously, it's an interesting time. Everybody's kind of changed behavior over the last three, four months. There's a lot more work done virtually with Zoom and other platforms and teams, etc. It's working really well. Um, we're going to slightly move out of this period to bringing things back to more face-to-face, -face, but I think a lot of this is still going to stay to a certain degree. But how do you think behaviour has changed and engagement has changed 
over this time. And so why is this so important to think about right now? Yeah, it's a great question. So recently um, I've been working with a team of people and we wanted to know that as well. So we, we put out um, to about 300 of our contact, contacts a survey asking them what is their biggest struggle at the moment through the last couple of months with their teams and with their people. And the number one um, thing that came back that they were struggling with was engagement. Yeah. And I think, and I, like I totally agree why that they're really struggling with that at the moment. And I think, you know, leading teams remotely is more difficult. Yeah. But if you think about the environment, so, you know, people are working at home, they have distractions, they have families, um, you know, they're, they're struggling with isolation. Yeah. Homeschooling. Yeah, and some of their employees might be on reduced salary. So it's really hard to motivate people when they're in that environment at home. Yep. Um, I know a lot of people that are close to me are really struggling with that connection uh, with their other teammates, even on a social level. You don't have that, you know, that water cooler chat around how is your weekend? Um, what are you up to this weekend? So, you know, if, if there isn't that, um, that platform to do that, or, you know, it, it can be really hard to self-motivate yourself when you're working at home. So, um, you know, even, even down to communication, you know, if, you, if you're in an open plan office, it's, it's easier to build engagement and have a chat across desks than it is, um, you know, to pick up the phone uh, to, to have a, a conversation or a quick chat with your colleagues yeah. or your team. It's almost a bit of a paradox. Like technology has made things much more efficient and much more accessible, but yeah. not necessarily more engaged. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. Bit of a paradox. Um, so if we kind of take a step back, I mean, what are, what are some of the real benefits? And I know this is a bit of an obvious question, but I really want to drill down so we really get into the nuts and bolts. What are the benefits of a highly engaged team? Well, um, having a highly engaged team, then you're going to uh, improve your retention rate. So you're going to, you know, stop losing great people and you'll probably most likely reduce your recruitment costs as well. As well. You're going to have lower absenteeism. Um, definitely you're going to see people, um, you know, not coming, uh, coming into work more often than, um, you know, not coming into work. The teams are going to be, um, have a higher productivity uh, levels as well. Um, but the one thing I think, you know, if the team is highly engaged, they're going to really care about um, each other in the team, care about the team succeeding. And then they're going to more likely want to hold each other accountable, give feedback, you know, just to ensure that everyone is doing a great job and the team is really, um, you know, achieving the results that were set out for them. Beautiful. A good friend of mine actually says, uh, his name's Grant Tom, lovely guy, he's a very, very um, strong digital agency owner. And he always has the analogy when we talk about things like this and culture and behavior of teams, he always says, it's like a, um, a sports team, a sports squad, that you all have to be working together to get the ball over the line or to score a try or to score a goal or whatever else. So it's really about the team together cohesively to get the, to achieve a desired outcome. It's not about every individual person as gifted or as talented as they may be. So I think that's a really important point that you made that we really have to make sure that we're working as a unit, as a cohesive unit to make sure that the, in the long term we all succeed and business results and business goals are achieved. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's a really great point around sporting teams, and I always use sporting teams as an analogy, because they are great, especially elite sporting teams, at um, 
doing that, just you know, reviewing where the team, they care so much about the success that, you know, after each game, you see that they sit there and they'll, they'll give each other feedback and say, what works really well? What didn't work? What could we do better next time yep. so that, to ensure that we win? Absolutely. So, I love yeah. it. And they'll sit there, they'll review the tapes and they'll watch the videos and they'll rewind and, you know, analyze every move for an hour or two. And that's what we should all do really, like personally and in a group. We should all sit there and re-analyze and assess our performance and how we can achieve and make things better next time. Yeah, definitely. If, if, if teams took what they do in sport into their business, I mean, that'd be a lot more uh, successful and, and yeah, achieve results. 100% agree. So, I mean, what are some of the ways then that you work and in general, how can we build more cohesive, um, higher performing teams? Well, talking about feedback, um, and, um, you know, recently I read a stat that, you know, four out of 10 employees receive little, um, that receive little or no feedback are disengaged. So feedback is a huge um, topic in terms of uh, getting engagement. So when I'm working with teams, I usually get teams to practice actually giving and receiving feedback on one another. Okay. So um, it's really important that you set that up in the beginning to um, ensure that they prepare how to give constructive feedback first to make sure it's valuable and, re and relevant to their um, team members. But I usually do an exercise where I, you know, I say, um, you know, think about one thing that the team member can, that is doing really well, yep. that um, helps the team to be successful. But then also think about one thing that that person can improve on um, to ensure the team, you know, do, does reach success as well. So, um, you know, teams absolutely love this. When I, you know, after I, we do the session, I get great feedback that they're going to start to implement it into their normal communication rhythm. So um, some teams have, you know, called it a five Friday feedback round and they spend 30 minutes on a Friday just giving feedback to one another. Um, so, you know, that's one thing that they can do to in increase engagement and, and hold each other accountable. Actually, um, I, might, I might just jump in for one sec, Katie, because I want to dig a little more into feedback, um, which is fascinating. Um, so when you talk about giving feedback to each other, do you mean like three, what they call 360 degree feedback, like in terms of even a manager and an employee giving each other feedback, or is it more just on the employee level? Yeah, so um, it can be both. Um, I, I mean, I all another thing that I recommend is that uh, managers, if they're not doing it, is to build feedback into their one-to-ones with their employees, and and definitely ask for um, the managers to ask feedback as well. So, uh, in a previous company I worked in, one of my um, managers did that. So, you know, on a, on our one-to-ones, she would ask, you know, if I if I had any feedback for her. And at first, it's kind of like, oh, I thought this was all about me, but um, no, it was a really great um, experience and. It, it, you know, it helped her develop as well as a leader. So definitely uh, employees should be giving feedback to their managers and managers should be asking for it. It is two way. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of managers get scared when that comes to getting 360 feedback. You know, they want to be the ones to give all the feedback, but God forbid, they don't want to actually receive any. Yeah, exactly. Um, they're probably a bit scared about what they're going to hear. That's right. So, I mean, you know, but it, it's really that, that, that little, Subtlety in, in mindset, in psychology, is already creating an environment of openness and sharing and, you know, um, bringing the teams together so that it really works as a, as a unit and it's not about a barrier between management and employee level. So even a small, subtle um, shift of that nature can make a huge difference in its psychology.
And I also wanted to jump in and just speak about one other thing. I mean, one thing I learned years ago, when you're giving feedback, you know, even there's an art form even to how you give feedback. Um, you know, a lot of people forget that one of the best ways to give feedback is, in my view, is to first focus on the things people have done really well and then focus on the things that they can improve. What's, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, any, any way you give feedback, if you want to give one uh, you know, a positive and a negative, um, I think back in the day they used to call it a feedback sandwich where they'd go positive, <laughs> negative, then um, positive again. But uh, look, I just think feedback should be giving, um, given straight away. So it needs to be timely. It needs to happen. If you, you know, if there's a manager has an issue with their employee and it's not a behavioural issue, it needs to happen then and there. Yep. Needs to be um, factual, so really objective. Um, you know, don't bring any judgment into that. Um, and it needs to be specific to to that individual and relevant as well. I mean, there's no point in giving feedback that's not relevant to the situation or the employee that isn't going to um, improve their development or you know a learning outcome there. So um, yeah, I think those steps matter if it's a positive or a negative you know you're giving it uh, one after another i just think it needs to have it needs to be timely and it um, needs to be relevant specific um, to that employee awesome and that's a really good point i mean a lot of the time our ego as managers our ego can get in the way and we might just give feedback that is actually not relevant or not useful at all so it's a really good idea to kind of check ourselves and think before we give any feedback do does this person is this person really got a benefit from this yeah, and I think the other thing is like it has to be factual, so not hearsay. I think a lot of people like oh, I give feedback in the sense like oh, we, you know, I heard you did this, and uh, this person said this. I mean, that's not credible feedback yeah. then. So, hundred yeah. percent. Well done. Now I, I cut you off, so we we only got to point one of all the different um, things that we can do to help um, build better employee engagement. So the floor is yours. Yeah, so uh, another way to build uh, engagement is around getting buy-in from the beginning. So um, if you're in a um, business planning situation, decision-making situation, or you, you know, you're starting a new project, ensure that you get uh, involvement from your individuals within your team from the beginning. Right. So get their inputs. Um, one thing that is really important is that uh, research it says that you know, as long as you, you, you Get everyone's input and ideas. Um, it's not about getting consensus, but if people get a chance to weigh in, then they're going to buy into uh, the end decision, even though it might not be their decision. At least if they've had the opportunity to have a say, um, you know, give their feedback on something or they have their opinion on something, then they're more unlikely going to commit to that decision. Awesome. After. Yeah. Awesome. And I think that's even more. That's, that's important and, and relevant to everybody, but I think it's even more relevant to the younger generation now. I think they really respond to that. Yeah, and I think a lot of companies need to start thinking like that. It's, you know, if instead of having a you know, senior leadership team or executive team that tell them what the new business strategy is or tell them what they're going to be doing, yeah. um, I think, you know, you're going to get more out of people if you get them involved from the start yeah. uh, instead of, you know, dictating what the outcomes, you know, what the um, outcomes going to be, or, or what the next steps are. Awesome. And so, what are some of the great ways to actually do that? To actually start building that engagement? Yeah. So you can definitely um, start by um, doing meetings around um, business planning. Yep. So a company that I worked for um, in 
uh, in the UK, they did it really great. So we would start with, um, you know, with the SLT working on the business plan from the beginning. Um, and then we would then, I guess it, we called it test our thinking with our emerging leader team. Um, so we got them to input into, you know, where, where we were thinking, you know, what the next 12 months looks like for the organization. Um, so we'd get their involvement then. And then after that, we would then take it to the rest of the business in a, our yearly offsite. And we would build workshops around each strategy within our business strategy. Um, and it was great at getting that buy-in then from the beginning, from the whole company. So just doing those, you know, three steps is, you know, the company is not then being, um, you know, dictated around this is what our business strategy is. It's getting involvement from everyone and getting feedback. And then everyone is clear. Everyone has clarity on what the next 12 months looks like and then how they contribute to that as well. Awesome. That's a very, very useful information, valuable insight. So we've dealt with feedback we've dealt with buy-in what else can we do um another way to get um engagement is i guess is around employee engagement surveys so um if you wanted to measure engagement it's a great way to get a benchmark around i, I mean i've used different different types of um employee surveys in the past but the one that i think is really great is gallup I oh, yep. have 12 questions that um, they've done lots of research around um, what is the best way to get engagement within a team. Um, they've come up with 12 questions and we used to do that every six months. Um, you get a benchmark then from, from where the team sits. And then over the next six to 12 months, you work on doing workshops around, you know, your areas of strength. So what you're doing really well, let's continue doing that. And then the areas that they need to improve. Um, and then you put in um, strategies in place to uh, improve those areas um, for that team and then how it contributes to the, to the wider business. But then you've got a measurement there that you can um, constantly uh, ensure that you are improving on employee engagement. Oh, fantastic. Anything else that you no know, people can do or you know that those three are really the, the three big ones? Um, yeah, that's for, for about, yeah, that's probably about it for now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> awesome. There's probably loads more, but yeah. Awesome. So Katie, um, now I know that you're big on particular processes and what you call team processes or your culture fit engagement process, you know, tell us a bit more about what that is and how that works. Yeah, so I have six steps to building engagement within teams. Um, and the first, and I'll run through them uh, quickly. So the first thing I do with teams to build engagement from the start. So if this team is a new team, um, you know, there could be a project team coming together, um, first time working together as a team, or even if um, like businesses now are slowly gearing up to going back to work, you know, I know there's a few of my friends are going in a couple of days and the rest of the team's going in a bit later. Um, but because the last couple of months has been, um, you know, there's lots of uncertainty, um, team members might have um, moved on or, uh, you know, businesses might have pivoted and goalposts might have shifted. I think it's a great time now to um, reconnect and reset with um, these six steps. So the first one is around um, building a shared vision. So you want uh, to the team to be um, really invested in what, you know, what the next three to five years looks like. 
uh, and employees that are more likely to contribute to um, the team if they have helped with building the vision around uh, for the team. Perfect. The second thing is around team purpose. So it's really important that you understand, um, you know, what that employee's why is. Um, you know, why did they choose to work in the industry that they're in? And what is it that gets them out of bed every day to, to go into work? Yeah. Um, find out what their why is first, and then uh, ensure that you get everyone's um, contribution to, towards a team purpose and get their team's why. Awesome. Um, and that's such a big point because, you know, we, we always fall into the trap of assuming um, from our own perspective what other people are going to respond to. And everybody has different um, ideas, different aspirations, different goals, different visions, different values. So if we don't ask, we could get it totally wrong. Exactly. And I think this is a great point to get that emotional um, buy-in and connection for, for the employees as well. Because this is, if you can understand the individual's why, then it's easier to help motivate them and engage them further down the track. Absolutely. We're all different creatures, you know, that's yes. the beauty of being human beings. Um, and then so number three is values and behaviours. So if the company has their own values, then perfect, use them, unpack them. What do these values mean to the team? Um, and come up with, you know, their own kind of mini values underneath them. Um, but if not, come up with their own team values because um, this will help guide their attitudes and actions. Um, and then behaviours. So you really want to come up with some behaviours that are below the line and above the line. I don't know if you've heard of that model. The no, I haven't. Um, behavior. So the first, the top behaviors are around ownership, accountability. Um, so you want to come up with behaviors that sit around the above line. Yep. Um, and then because that's kind of, you're coming from a place of, of control. And then below the line is, you, these are the behaviors you don't want. So they're coming from a place of fear. Uh, they're more of the blame and excuse, but it's really important that you, you do understand, the team understands what they are and what they look like. Nice. Um, because you need to come to an agreement of things that are behaviours that are unacceptable that they can um, call each other out on when they see them. Gotcha. I like um, that. It's kind of building a framework for behaviour in that yeah. organisation and for performance. Yeah. Like um, and then the um, fifth is around, um, so the fourth is around collective goals. So it's really important on a team that you have, um, you know, the team are working towards the same goal. No one's goals are more important than each other's. Yeah. Um, so it's really important, as I said, businesses might have shifted, things might have moved in the last, um, you know, three months. So you really need to reconnect and say, okay, well, let's, let's see what the next six to 12 months looks like. What does, has a goalpost moved? Um, and what is this team going to be focused on in the next six to 12 months? So um, really getting clarity around that and then clarity around how each individual in the team contribute to the overall goal. Perfect. Love it. Um, the next one is communication. So, uh, yeah, like you mentioned before, you know, a lot has changed. So there'll be a lot more virtual, um, you know, meetings as opposed to face-to-face um, -face meetings. So really defining what the new communication rhythm looks like for the team. I usually work with a simple model um, for teams around um, four meetings. Um, the first one being a daily huddle. So that's your quick five minutes, what's everyone working on? Nice. Um, your second one do it being your weekly tactical meeting. Um, so really talking about tactical issues, even issues that might um, uh, hinder the team being successful. So looking at what those um, um, obstacles may look like. Um, so that's around 40 to 90 minutes. 
And then your next one is your strategic meeting. So that's a monthly two to four hour meetings. You only really want to be talking about two topics to get the team to come prepared to unpack those decisions, uh, those topics to have a really good outcome. And then your last meeting is your quarterly offsite. So that's a, usually a one, two day event. Um, and that's around the team talking about, you know, strategic uh, competitive analysis. Um, but the main thing is around learning. So team development on those quarterly offsites um, and uh, making sure that you build, this is the time the team can actually get to know each other on a social level. So build in some team building social activities on those two days as well. Fun stuff, skirmish and yeah, that kind of fun stuff that people do on offsites. Or wine tasting, that's wine always tasting. Good oh, I love that. <laughs> um, and then the last one is roles and responsibilities. So, um, you know, team members might have moved on throughout the last couple of months. So, you know, getting the team back in and being really clear on what it is they do and and what is expected of them is really important um so they're the six steps wow. uh that i use that culture fit uses to engage uh, a team from the start or even now as teams are gearing up to going back to working in a team environment there's plenty of things you can do to um definitely build start building that engagement resetting and reconnecting around these six steps awesome i mean that, that really breaks it down nicely and nice and simple process and we can really get our head around each part of that. And obviously this is relevant to whether you do this virtually through virtual communication or through face-to-face -face communication, it works either way. Yeah, definitely. You can start doing these on a Zoom call with your team um, at any time and just start having, start the conversation. Yep, absolutely. I mean, communication and having those conversations is the key to bringing people together. You know, if you create silos and borders, you know, what, what, ch what chance do we have? Yep. So now Katie, I love case studies and examples. So have you got any, you know, case studies or examples of how you've implemented this, these processes with a particular organization and, and give us the journey and the result? Yeah, so um, I have worked with different organizations to um, create these six steps. Um, one of the teams I've worked with um, was in the defense sector and they hadn't done, um, any work around uh, any any talk around um, you know the the what their vision is their team purpose um, communication um, even down to roles and responsibilities it was um, very unclear around who does what yep. um, so we started the day um, doing a exercise on building trust so. Uh, I, I work with teams around getting to know each other on a deeper level. So the first exercise I usually do with teams is around, um, you know, just come up with um, the answer to three simple questions around um, where did you grow up? Uh, you know, how many siblings do you have? And what's the challenge of your childhood? And this oh. gives them insight to where people are actually coming from. And sometimes some, um, you know, an understanding or an awareness of, oh, that's why you do what you do. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, so, you know, that's one exercise I do. And then another one is around um, using the DISC model to really understand yeah. um, people's behaviours and tendencies and, um, and another, you know, another deeper understanding and empathy is created within the team when they um, can understand, you know, their people, different behaviours within their teammates. And then from then we go through and we, um, like I said, we talk through the shared vision um, and the team purpose. Um, and then we look at uh, communication, uh, 
uh, values and behaviours and also the, um, the roles and responsibilities. And I do that using a, um, also uh, it helps me using a, a wall um, art, which oh. is a, it basically, once the team have had those conversations, then we put pen to paper and it's a massive um, piece of paper that they can then put on the wall and have to, you know, uh, remind them where they're coming from, remind them what they agreed to, and also helps induct employees into, um, you know, where they said they were heading and how they're going to get there as well. It also helps to communicate to the rest of the business, you know, the team's strategy on moving forward. I like that. And everybody kind of knows at every point in time where they're at on that journey. Yeah, exactly. No hidden agendas and everybody knows what they're there to do. I like that. Um, now you mentioned disc profiling. I mean, a lot, everybody knows about this, but just for the people who don't give us a real quick 30 second um, analysis of what, what disc is and how that works. So DISC is a, um, a personality um, profiling that tool that you can do that you do an assessment, you answer a few questions and it will come out kind of based on you know, your preference style. So you have D, which is a dominant, um, I, which is influence styles, um, which is more, those two are more your extroverted type of people. And then you've got C, which is conscientious and S, which is um, more steady. And those two are more your introvert. Um, and when you answer the, the survey, it will come out where you tend to be, your preferences. I mean, it doesn't mean that that's exactly who you are. Everyone has a little bit of each of those behaviours and styles um, throughout their personality types. Um, but what it does when, when you're working with teams is get them to really have an understanding of, you know, why that person acts the way they do. D's are very direct, dominant type of people. You know, if you're having a conversation with them, they just want, you know, quick, three quick facts that can, um, you know, so them to understand where you're coming from. Don't waste my time. Don't give me an essay. Just yeah. get to the point. I'm busy. I've got meetings. Um, an I person. Um, are more uh, your people people. So they want to be, you know, they get their energy off people. And I'm sure the I types have really struggled through um, isolation, being not um, involved in, you know, conversation and, you know, not seeing their friends and not seeing people and working with people. Um, so that's that personality type. Um, the C's are more your uh, personality types that are, you know, more factual based. They're into the details. They won't make a decision until they've seen everything. Yeah. Um, they love rules uh, and regulations. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when you are talking to them, you really need to go in with a detailed uh, plan and have all the information right in front of them. Yeah. Um, and then your S's are your, um, your steady, supportive, um, they love security um, type of people that are great at supporting, I guess, the rest of the teams and, um, and, and you know, and being that, that great support. Yeah. I suppose so how you make them feel is probably the most important thing with it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because DISC has been around for ages and ages. Is it still as prominent and relevant as it was years ago? Is, are there any other um, um, platforms or is it still the one that a lot of people use? Um, there's plenty of other platforms and, um, you know, there's Myers-Briggs, uh, there's Insights, there's, there's, I mean, I think DISC is another tool that, um, you know, and they're all quite similar. You can, I've used multiple ones and, you know, the, the, the one person I could probably put in the same category across all. Okay. Um, it is just another tool to help teams um, have an understanding of, 
the way people talk, um, behave and communicate within a team or with each other. So it is still very much uh, used within businesses. Uh, but like I said, there's many of other tools as well that you can use that does uh, just exactly the same. Awesome. And I suppose like from my experience as a recruiter, a lot of companies profile potential candidates, yeah. employees, even more so just to see how they respond and the best way to manage them in the future, rather than whether it's a be all and end all, you know, it's not a decision making factor in their hiring. It's more just how can I manage you better when you do come and work with us? Yeah, and I've used I've used it before for recruiting. You can also use it to build the ideal um, per, uh, role as well. So um, you can look at the behaviours and and styles that sit underneath um, what kind of role the ideal candidate that you want for that role, and then use it as a recruitment tool as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Katie, that has been absolutely insightful. I mean, we could go for two hours because this is one of my favourite topics: high performing teams, culture. You know human interaction. Um, it's fascinating to me. But thank you so much for coming on the show and really going into such detail in what you do and how you do it. And hopefully you've given the audience loads of information and um, inspiration to really make sure that they look at this time and moving forward in building a really, really strong, high performing team because it will only help them in the future. But before we go, maybe just tell us a bit about how we can get in touch with you if we want to you know, make some uh, inquiries and learn more about what CultureVit does. Well, thanks, Darren, for having me on. I really uh, enjoyed jumping on your podcast. Yeah, always a pleasure. Um, so, yeah, if you want to find out more, um, definitely go onto my website um, and I have a culture fitness test. You can see how fit your culture is um, by completing that and I can get in touch and um, help you build um, a free strategy around engagement for your team um, and you can also find me on LinkedIn as well. Awesome. That's fantastic. And before we go, I always like to ask my guests, just give us a couple of ideas or a couple of things that people should put in place right now after listening to this and watching this podcast, stuff that they can help them with their teams right now. Yeah, I think the one thing that um, definitely with, with all this uncertainty and everything that's changed, I think one thing that managers can do right now is uh, book a one-to-one -one with your employees and get make sure they have clarity on what it is they do and what is expected of them. Uh, I think with all the changes that's going on, uh, it's really important that we check in and make sure that everyone has clarity around their job and their job role and um, what that looks like for them you know, over the next six to 12 months. Perfect. So just communication, being honest, being, you know, allowing your people to build a relationship with the roadmap. And that's how you, you start to build engagement. Yeah. Love it. Well, Katie, thank you so much again. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I'm going to put all the links to how to find Katie in the show notes for the podcast. Um, so thanks again for joining us today, Katie. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. My pleasure. And for everybody out there, we hope you had a great show. You learned a lot and we'll be back very, very soon for another episode. Have a great day.